This is Jerry Mason, the Kicking Lawyer, and I'm inviting everyone to join us every Tuesday at 5 p.m. on the Kicking Lawyer fan page on Facebook for Law Talk Live, where we discuss business, politics, current events, and the law. If you miss the live version, you can watch the playback on YouTube or listen on your favorite podcast platform. All right, it's Jerry Mason, the Kicking Lawyer. We're live for another Law Talk. Uh, as always, I appreciate you guys taking time to listen to us or watch us. Don't forget to uh, like, follow, and subscribe to the content. We're on all social media platforms, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. Uh, we're also on the TikTok. You can check out TikTok. Josh likes to do the dances. It's not true. I do Lots of fun on the TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if you haven't already, please download the album Inside My Head by N.A. The Band. They're local guys trying to support them. The album is free, so make, make sure you check them out. You can check them out on uh, social media also and follow their content. Michelle Allen has been a long-time sponsor of our show. She's your go-to in the area if you're buying, selling, renting, leasing real estate. She is your cry-like realtor, so please visit Michelle Allen. And, of course, high-octane martial arts is now in Millington also. We just opened a Millington school, so we now have the Covington School and the Millington School. Just visit masonsmartialarts.com. We'd be glad to help you out with some training. And the Cellar Restaurant Prohibition Bar, also about to open a second location. We have the Covington locations open seven days a week. The Somerville location will be opening soon. Uh, and then, of course, live music Friday, Saturdays, Tuesday. I'll be there later uh, when I'm done with this doing uh, trivia. And then, of course, Josh will help you with uh, any of your online stuff, uh, digital marketing. He's done commercials for even our guests today. Masonite Digital Marketing. Just visit masonitemarketing.com and he'll help you out. And, uh, of course, we just recovered from a great Covington Comic-Con, and that sort of brings me to our guest today, which is Mr. Aaron from Lutes Collectibles. How are you? I'm well, thank you. And I appreciate you coming. I know you said you took 51 up, so that's good. I <laughs> appreciate you coming <laughs> take in. 51 so, up. so why don't you let everybody know who you are, a little bit about your store, that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, I'm Aaron Norton. I own Lutes Collectibles in Atoka, 101 Wesley Reed Drive, or lutescollectibles.com. Always on, open. But um, we offer mostly toys now, but we do have a large selection of comic books, um, signed, autographed, memorabilia, sports to celebrity stuff. Um, but yeah, lots of toys. Do you do cards or any of that stuff? I do. Periodically, they come in and they usually go out right back out the door. Um, I post everything on Facebook and mm -hmm. people call me or message me and say, hey, can you hold that? And then like 30 minutes later they'll come in so they're, so they're that popular then cards are huge hmm well, i just found a poke so when we were doing the comic-con we have a storage unit and my wife and i were over there getting tables to move back and forth and a box fell and i used to do i was telling her back in the early 2000s at my taekwondo school i would do pokemon trading card days and back then i was on the u.s taekwondo team and i was going to korea a lot and when I was over there, I would buy these knockoff cards is what they were. So I didn't know legality-wise if I could sell them. So what I would do, I also bought packs of the actual cards. And so they had to buy X number of packs, and then they got a free pack of the whatever cards. Anyway, the long story short, uh, the box fell open, and it had a bunch of cards in it. And I hadn't looked at these in years. And I found uh, there was a Bulbasaur foil pretty good shape card and i just happened to look it up on ebay it was like 200 dollars for this Is one card uh, yeah yeah that one was real <laughs> that's a good question i know you had you yeah. had some uh, counterfeit ones from like what was it korea or mm -hmm. something at one point yeah that you had brought brought back that were like super fake yeah but a lot of people say uh so it wasn't you guys last year uh they i can't remember if they were there this year no the the guys out of jackson we won't mention the competitor name but they were there and they wanted to buy so i had uh, some of those cards but i had a counterfeit set of star wars figures the original i guess eight or whatever yeah. that was in one big package that's all it was all fake but i had bought it in korea and they were talking about how the aftermarket on those is crazy now and they ended up offering me, them in another place that was there last year, started to kind of, at the end of Sunday, started kind of bidding against each other to buy it from me. And I didn't sell it because I was like, I don't know enough about this area. You probably would obviously know way better than I would on it. So I was like, I'm going to research it. But my point is, there is apparently a market for some of that stuff. There is, and, yeah. and it's getting bigger, too. Um, so I'm going to hit you on a couple points. Okay. 
I'm not competing with the little guys out there. You can mention Center Point down in Millington, The Cellar, Comics and Collectibles, Jupiter Comics, um, Impulse Collectibles, Card Shop out of, I think, Olive Branch, um, The Batcave Traders. All of those guys really aren't the competition. I'm competing with Walmart and Target and GameStop because the, the hardest thing for me to do is to buy these action figures and stuff and they just sit on my pegs because Walmart is buying 60,000 units and mm-hmm. I'm buying a case. Yeah. So when I buy a case, I'm into them for, you know, 20 bucks a figure and the MSRP on is $23, right? Walmart's getting them for like $8 a piece. Yeah. 45 days goes by, they knock it down by 50%. 90 days go by if it's still out there, they're putting it for a dime above whatever their MSRP or whatever they paid for it and the people that I would sell to are, you know, they're in there buying shaving cream or cat litter or whatever and they're you know happen to walk by and they see it and they're like well that's awesome i'm gonna buy five of them and they're not gonna hit me so i'm not competing with the guys that are at my level Mm -hmm. i'm competing with these big box stores and it really is you know a competition so what i've tried to do is while i do have some stuff that walmart and stuff has i really try to thread that line between what they have and you know what some of my competitors do so like blackwater marsh and munford they deal mostly in tabletop gaming and, and airsoft but um, i'm not going to get into airsoft but uh, the tabletop gaming aspect i do um, buy some cards i do buy dice um, play mats dice towers that sort of stuff but i make sure that i don't buy the same stuff that john david and muriel have over at blackwater marsh so that you have a selection so yeah, they may buy a dice tower from me and not buy it from Blackwater Marsh, but there's a chance that, you know, they have more options. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm really about the customer and things. Um, a lot of times you'll walk into my store and, and I've had people say, hey, this thing's $10 less than what everybody else has got it. If I get a good deal, I put my markup on it and I pass the rest on to, to whoever's buying it. Mm-hmm. And so there are really good deals in the shop, you know, for certain things that people are looking for. Other things are right at MSRP and I don't play the game where I buy it retail and sell it for a markup from retail. Um, if I get it for retail, it's going to be out there for retail. And the only reason I do that is you're familiar with what a catalyzer is. Mm-mm. All right. So a catalyzer is, um, basically somebody enters your store specifically for an item. You may not have a good margin on it. It may be a zero margin. Sometimes you may put it at a, a very limited loss, right? but you buy it because they're going to come in and buy that and maybe pick up other stuff and we do it with trading cards since you mentioned trading cards we'll we'll go down that rabbit hole now mm-hmm. um, we do it with trading cards there's really no margin on trading cards mm-hmm. right um, people are paying you know from the distributor almost full price for these newer packs of trading cards booster boxes set boosters draft boosters steam boosters booster booster boosters right but the problem is that or the the benefit is while i'm i'm paying retail and i'm charging you retail for it people are going to come to me and buy the supplies for it as well Mm -hmm. so they're buying penny sleeves seven ridges um, top loaders folios um, portfolio packs you know the whole deal that's where i'm going to make my money back from buying these cards and that's what a catalyzer is people come into the shop to buy one thing and they make other purchases based on Mm -hmm. that so trading cards not a great market i'm not going to open up a trading card store anymore or at all um, but that's why a lot of trading cards or um, comp stores are going to box breaks. Mm-hmm. If you're familiar with box breaks, I, I've seen them on uh, TikTok. That okay. TikTok, whatnot, um, and what's the other one? I don't remember what the other one is right now. But yeah, the box breaks are huge because that's how you make more money on those box of cards. And the card stores really that is how they're making money um, because. If you can split that box off into its parts, its component parts, kind of like when you get when you get in a wreck and your car's you know no longer drivable and you you know sell it back, you know you have two hundred dollars for this hunk of junk or you have two thousand dollars for all the component pieces that you can part out from it. Um, well, they're doing that same thing with box breaks and making you know sometimes three to five times what that box is actually worth worth because. They've sold the pieces, the cards out of it individually um, or packs or Mm -hmm. however it may work. Um, But as for fakes, they're getting a lot better at fakes. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have uh, a lot of little kids that have been passed down their Pokemon cards and stuff from their older siblings. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't do loose cards in the shop because it's a pain in the butt. Mm -hmm. And I'll talk about that here in a second. But um, 
I start going through their Pokemon cards, and unfortunately, you know, every fifth card is, you know, a really good card if it were real. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the Chinese, Koreans, um, they've gotten to the point where, you know, some people are sending off cards and waiting for CGC or PSA to come back and say, yeah, this is a fake. Because, you know, basically CGC and PSA are going to put it on the laser and this, you know, line it up and say, you know, this is centered correctly, the color is right, all that kind of stuff. Um, if they put it on the laser and the color is not right or it's not centered properly or whatever, then they're going to say, hey, we, we don't think this is authentic. They don't say this is a fake. Yeah. But uh, it's authentic, authenticity is questionable. Mm-hmm. But um, it's gotten to the point now where you can buy booster boxes online with Pokemon wrap with the shrink wrap on it and everything it all looks good all the packs are heat sealed properly until you open it and you realize that every single pack has the exact same card or lineup of cards in a row didn't that happen to one of the Paul brothers something like that Logan Paul I think Lo- yeah I uh, think a bunch of boxes that turned mm-hmm. out to be fake yep. yeah it spent like millions yeah it was of millions uh, I yeah. think he spent on that yeah it's interesting so uh, you you also have a good selection of comic books do you do pull lists I do. Yeah, because I think somebody uh, here is interested in Conan, and uh, I already did it. We, I, yeah, we already, I, we already got I, to take. I, I know. I was trying. <laughs> I was trying to give him a chance to talk about it because he was bragging about this uh, special store uh, dealer only Conan book he had. So, yeah. So um, the opportunity for me to get some of the SDCC San Diego Comic Con 2023 books came up, and uh, Conan was on the list, and. Um, as you said earlier, Josh did our commercial, and I knew that Josh loved Conan from the last Comic-Con that we went to in Covington, put on by, that was you, right? Yeah, every Comic-Con has been me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, me, Josh, and Tara, yeah. Here in Covington, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so thank you for that. Well, thank you thank you for being a vendor at the Comic-Con. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of being a vendor. I like walking around yeah. and looking at everybody else's stuff. <laughs> but I'll continue to do it for you all. Well, we, we appreciate that. Well, I will tell you before before you finish on Conan because I do want to talk about comic books because that's what I'm into, um, and I'm curious which which sells better and stuff. I just have several questions for you, but what I wanted to say is, is you don't know this, uh, but there was a point in the Comic Con where you were over in the Jupiter Comics book with me, and we were discussing the Predator book and all that stuff, right? And all of us had pulled out our phones and were comparing our pricing apps. And I felt like, man, I've made it. I'm an actual professional here because I was able to talk shop with the professionals on comic books because, you know, I've just been a collector forever. Uh, but, but anyway, that was a good memory for me because I felt like I was like, I know what they're talking about. And, and I, I, got, I got input on this. And uh, anyway, I enjoyed that. <laughs> so so back, back to the Conan thing, though. So besides Conan, why don't you explain to folks, because this, this is what just dumbfounds me, and this is maybe because I'm such a comic addict. But, like, the local comic shop thing that had struggled for a while here, I think, it's start, I think it's like everything else. It all kinds of comes around. But but there are things that you can get from your local comic shop as far as a pull list that you'll miss a lot of times or pay more for if you wait and you try to do it, like, on eBay or something like that. So why don't you explain to people what a pull list is, what they can set up, and then, like, some of the strategic advantages, like not missing certain issues and stuff. A lot of questions on that. Yeah, I know. So, what's a pull list? All right. So, a pull list is um, basically you have either, you know, let's we'll take Conan as the for instance in this one. You really enjoy Conan, and you want to get all of the Conan or um, issues possible. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, the the bigger the biggest issue that you have is that you have to wait a month before they come in, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to be on time. You have to make sure because. Um, in my shop, I buy five number ones and I buy three of everything else. And usually I have stuff left over at the end of the month or end of the week. And mm-hmm. those straggler people that didn't realize something was out, they can come in and get it. With a pull list, it's always going to be there. As soon as it comes in, I put it in a box. And this is comic shops around the world um, do pull lists. Um, it comes in, I put it in my store, I put it in a bag and a board. Um, if you buy a comic book from me, it's getting bagged and boarded, whether it's on the stand or in the, in the bin. Which mm-hmm. I appreciate, by the way. <laughs> uh, I just, it's the collector in me. Um, yeah. We also use wall safe tape on it so it peels easy so that you can reseal it. I don't like resealable bags because mm-hmm. um, they stick to the book sometimes and potentially damage it. But um, your pull list, your, as soon as it comes in, I bag board it and put it in a box. And as soon as you come in, you know, whether it's, you know, that week or two weeks or a month, 
I do prefer that you come in monthly. But um, if you come in a month, then all the books that you ordered will be in that box. You don't have to worry about having missed it, you know, sorting through the bin mm -hmm. um, to get it. So that's that's what a pull list is. You can, for us, um, you can either ask me and I just write it down on a sticky and stick it in one of the boxes. Not the most organized fashion, but um, the other way to do it is to go uh, basically Google previews pull box mm -hmm. and it's the Diamond um, publishing website um, and it's their electronic catalog. So go on there, it's a free account to set up. You can set up Lutz Collectibles as your pull source. Uh, It'll basically get sent to us, and uh, you'll pay when you pick them up. It's not a pay ahead of time or anything. You pay when you pick it up. I'll give you the opportunity to look it over, make sure that it's not damaged and all that kind of stuff, and then you go on your way. Mm -hmm. Well, and then also you have the opportunity to order some of the special covers and stuff, too. That's, that's what I and, did. And what a, what a lot of – I'm sorry, Josh, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, that's what I did. I got all the uh, the Conan variants. I'm subscribed to, like, all of them through him. So that way I don't have to worry about trying to hunt any of them down. I can just – pre-order them all through him and then go pick them up at Lutz. So. Yeah, and, and what I think is an advantage that if you're a collector is you never really know sometimes which comic or cover is going to hit and all of a sudden have value. Spider-Man has that a lot with different stuff. Or which, you know, one-off character in issue number four is going to all of a sudden blow up or in ten years be like a Deadpool. So the, 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 this is a way when you do the pull list to make sure you don't miss any of those if you're this huge big collector. Or if you're like me and actually read them, like I read the Superman comics, uh, sometimes they cross over, and that way you don't miss a piece of the story. I'm old school. I don't like uh, the trade paperbacks, personally. I know Josh just got Watchmen and was talking. We were talking about that earlier. He, he really likes it. But I enjoy the—I guess it makes me feel like a kid. The individual comic book, the smell and feel of it, reading each one of them— I like that. So uh, that was one of my questions for you, too. So what were you into that got you into doing this? Was this just a business for you, or were you a collector before? What, what was your background with it? It's kind of a loaded question. I'm not going to go into super detail on parts of that. Okay. But, um, yes, I was a collector, um, but being in the Navy and being on submarines specifically, um, we moved every two and a half to three years. Mm-hmm. Collections get lost, they get damaged, they get stolen, etc. So by the time that I actually settled down in a location, most of any collection that I had collected had something that happened to them. Mm. Um, but um, one day I happened to walk into the kitchen and my then 20-year-old, uh, about to turn 21, there was a paper from the antiques mall here on the square um, sitting there and it you know, he had sold like $8 of comic books at the antique mall. And I was like, do you have a table over there? And he's like, yeah. And so I went and investigated his table and there were like 20 comic books on his table. And the price I think was like $40 for the table. And he had like $32 worth of comic books on the table. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was, I was thinking about it. I was like, yeah, this isn't going to work out well for him. <laughs> um, so yeah, he paid like 160 bucks. He made like uh, 20 bucks or something like that over the course of mm -hmm. like the four months or whatever and I sat down and talked to him like is this something you're interested in he's like yeah it's great you know he never really had you know a goal with doing anything you know when he was like eight he wanted to be a fry cook for the rest of his life and live on the beach with his dog and that's awesome mm -hmm. I guess when you're 55 and retired and collecting passive income yeah um but uh I talked to him I was like you know, I'm I'm willing to support you in this, and, and we'll we'll go in and do a, a, a limited partnership on this and see how it goes. And unfortunately, it didn't go well on that aspect, and he um, he didn't want to hang with it for too long. So he gave me the shares back, and basically, it's been me and the wife running it since then. And um, actually, Jeff Nodelman played a, a role in me getting interested in this stuff. And really? I actually talked to him um, uh, this past. What, weekend, last weekend at the Covington Comic Con, and uh, and thanked him. I didn't get to see him last year because I was you know in the booth. Yeah, and, busy. Yeah, and uh, but before we got started this year, I went over and talked to him, and I said, "Hey, I appreciate what you've done for the animation industry." And he's like, "Thanks." And I didn't give him any context. Was mm -hmm. really the re the issue there? And I said, "So when I was growing up, my father wasn't really into cartoon, right?" or comic books or any kind. He didn't necessarily prescribe. He was an older man, by the mm -hmm. way. My, my dad was significantly older than my mother um, and from a different era, basically. 
but uh, during the, the CGA and all that kind of stuff, the Comic Code Authority. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he didn't see comic books as a an avenue for, for men, for young men. And uh, so there wasn't a lot of that type of stuff in the house. But uh, when I saw the Batman animated series the first time, it blew my mind. It was so impressive. The you know, and and he explained some stuff to me that I already knew, but I appreciated him explaining it to me. Mm-hmm. You know, they um, they painted that on black film mm-hmm. so that all the colors would pop more, and they've done that since with other things like uh, the anime Demon Slayer is painted on black film, and the the animation is just beautiful. It's mm-hmm. breathtaking to to, to see. Um, but because of some of the, the actions he took. Um, you know, when he was younger and doing the Batman animated series, it got me more involved, and I was like, "This is this is great. This is cool." You know, I don't understand my dad's feelings with this, and so, kind of on the sly, I started collecting comic books. So it was comic books. Yes. Were you a superhero guy or no? Uh, no? So what were your what was your go to? Horror well, comics, I mean, mystery comics. I I really liked the old EC prints, uh, Tales uh-huh. from the Crypt type stuff. Twilight Zone, the old Rod Serling Twilight Zone, still one of my favorite, hands down. Um, and I usually watch that at least once a year whenever it, you know I have the opportunity to just binge watch something. It's Twilight Zone. Um, love the librarian episode where um, obsolete, basically we don't need this librarian anymore because he's obsolete. Cult society's moved on. Yeah. And um, great episode. And but um, those type of things, Ray Bradbury Theater, um, Isaac Asimov, that all of I really love science fiction stuff, yeah. Um, and I don't have like food cravings, but I do occasionally get genre cravings where I need to watch mm-hmm. a certain type of film or read a certain type of story or something like that. And that's really what I got into was I had a ton of like Tales from the Crypt and Creep Show and all those Night of the Living Dead, and you know, and it just kind of branched out. Eventually, I did get into um, Batman, Spawn, when because Image was like the big thing in the '90s coming out, um, you know my gosh, there's this new superhero thing. Yeah. And uh, Todd McFarlane had no clue who he was, but he was doing Spawn, so it was great. Let's do this Spawn thing. And mm-hmm. I had, you know, before I knew it, I probably had the first 100 issues of Spawn and uh, Wildcats and Cyberforce and Pit and Max. And, you know, if it, was, it had that little image symbol in the corner. I was buying it. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the stories were not that great, and other ones were great. The Spawn... Um, Spawn storyline is pretty cyclic. You'll have these plateau periods where there's really nothing happening, but you keep, you know, reading it because you know something's going to happen eventually, and and it'll kick in, and all of a sudden you're back into the story, and you're like, yeah, this is great again. Um, but now there's four different spawns. You got Spawn, King Spawn, Scorched, uh, Gunslinger Spawn, um, but uh, the trade paperback portion, you can catch up on all of these things now with trade paperbacks. Um, where it was a lot harder to find those trade paperbacks when you know you and I were younger, um, and now, roughly about uh, three months after a story arc closes, there's a trade paperback, and you know it's it's kind of like the Netflix version of comic books, right? Yeah. With with the comics, it's kind of like Disney Plus. You got to wait a, a month until you can get to the next episode. With trade paperback, it's all right there. You can binge watch it while you're sitting on the toilet or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned the Twilight Zone, which was going to lead to another question. But uh, so my two favorite episodes of the Twilight Zone, one was the one where you don't realize till the end they're talking about how grotesque the girl is. Oh yeah, and then at the end she's gorgeous and they're all ugly. Yep. And it's the perspective shift. I thought that was a good one. And then of course the memorable one for me is the Gremlin one. Yeah, that had uh, Shatner. Yeah, Shatner in it where he's it, that scared me. I remember as a kid like being frightened by that one. For some reason, because it was so creepy, the gremlin guy they had on there. Well, it's not just the gremlin. It was the black and white aspect. There was yeah, some yeah. shadowing. It yeah. was, it's great television. Yeah, all of the, even the opener, uh, the music on mm-hmm. the Twilight Zone as a child, I remember was, uh, I don't want to say it was, it was startling. It was probably oh, a good creepy. word. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fine. It's creepy. Um, the, the question that was going to lead me to ask, though, when I thought about Shatner, we were talking about sci-fi comics. Do you remember when Shatner tried to do a line of comic books? The tech, I think it was Tech World. Yeah, it's. Uh, I just wondered what you thought about that because it's a mix of sci-fi, Shatner, and comic books, and I think it was Tek World, is what it was. I can't think of what it's called. 
I had I had several of them. Yeah, there it is. Tech World. T E K. Yeah, and then there was uh, there was some spinoffs of it too. There was w click on it. Let me see what the name of the comic company was because there were several from the company. Well, it wasn't it was Marvel. Marvel. No, no, no. There was one that was just Shatner. Um, I want to say, and it could have been owned by Marvel, but let's see. I just bought that one, by the way. That that graded one up there. Oh no, I didn't buy that one because it's nine thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. I bought one, but it wasn't nine thousand dollars. Yeah, I'm just dropping ten grand on comic books today. Yeah, no, uh, maybe not. What was the name? That's gonna bother me now. Anyway, Tech Trek. I, I was just curious. Uh, no, that's not it either. I was just curious if you remembered that or what you thought about them. I honestly, I didn't think about them. Okay. <laughs> uh, Did you like the Star Trek comic books or Star Wars? So I, sci-fi. I had a ton of Star Trek comic books. Um, and interestingly, I didn't buy many of them. My dad eventually found out that I liked comic books, and he started trying to, you know, whatever, buy me comic books. Relate, were, relate with you, sort sure, of? Sure, if yeah. you want. But they were always Star Trek comic books. I liked Star Trek The Next Generation. I love the, the, old, uh, the original series. Um, I like where they've gone with it. Star Trek Picard, Strange New Worlds, mm -hmm. um, with the, the cinematography in them is amazing. And it's very movie quality and stuff. Mm -hmm. The story um, in Picard just came back back, uh, back around and it was very um, M. Night Shyamalan Jr.-ish, mm -hmm. if you will. Um, Favorite captain? Uh, it's probably Picard, but I, I liked Cisco mm -hmm. um, on DS9. I didn't particularly like DS9, but I really liked Cisco's character. Mm -hmm. um, strong. He w he had a, a grudge there at the beginning with the Federation, specifically with Picard, um, due to Wolf three five nine and the Borg and killing his wife and the whole deal there. And they kind of overcame that, but they they made sure to play into it. And uh, but Patrick Stewart, you know, the guy's ninety something years old. I mean, Shatner's ninety two. I saw a um, a Quora. Do you ever read Quora? Little, mm -hmm. There's this little question and answering thing. Um, I saw a Quora question that said, uh, has Shatner's acting um, gone downhill now that he's only doing commercials? And the first response to that question was, the dude's 92. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he's still relevant enough that people are asking questions yeah. about him. I think that he's fine. But uh, it's the same thing with Patrick Stewart. I mean, the guy's probably 92 or close to that. And... Um, and he's still doing full screen yeah. that thing. So um, Star Wars, yeah, it's okay. I'm more on the science side of things than the fantasy romance. Uh, so I, I like uh, Captain Kirk still. He's probably my favorite. But I read uh, the beginning of this year, uh, William Shatner came out with a, a new book. It was called To Boldly, Boldly Go. Mm -hmm. and, and here's what was interesting about it. He's 90-something, right? And he's writing this book from the perspective of a 90-something-year-old person who has really lived a life, you know, like he's, he's, he's been there, done a lot of stuff, experienced a lot over all these years. And it was his perspective on that and how it had shifted. Because he even addressed some of the stuff about how some of his co-stars have portrayed him in comments they've said. Like he even talked about the falling out they had with Leonard Nimoy. And he seems to, in the book, he infers that they made amends before Nimoy passed. But it was really interesting uh, to read that perspective. If, you know, and I think a lot of times younger people, you know, like I'm 44, so somebody half my age, 22, uh, don't really respect the relevance of the older person's perspective. You know, they're like, ah, I don't know, they're old. But that's, I think, the whole thing about wisdom, you know, is you don't know you don't have it till you, you're old when you realize, well, I didn't have it and I still don't. So, you right. know. But uh, I would recommend that book. I actually enjoyed it. It was pretty good. You know, I'm meeting him next month. He's, uh, uh, he's going to be at Arkansas. Comic yeah, Day. I'm debate. What is the date on that in one? September. Hold on. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to go to that one or not. Do you go to a lot of conventions? Because you just said you don't not like anymore. being a vendor. Not anymore. Because of the store? Because I'm the store. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, September 6th through the 8th. So what's the best-selling stuff there? Is it the action figures? No. No? Um, I hardly sell any action figures um, because everybody gets them at Walmart. Okay. Um <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, comic books followed by T-shirts. Okay. And is it is it people coming in and buying them? Not are pull lists up or pull lists are definitely up. But I've I've done a lot more advertising on pull lists over mm -hmm. the last four or five months. But um, people just I have a very 
good group of regulars that come in good. and they they buy specific comics and I cater to the what they want yeah, right yeah. if they if I see a number of people like uh, Elvira right she uh-huh. recently Elvira did a comic book um, something monsters like an Elvira and Monsterland there we go and um, you know who Elvira is I'm very aware of who okay, Elvira good. is Josh may not know who Elvira is no I'm, I'm aware I met her she was at a oh Texas, you met her she was at Texas okay. Frightmare last year not this year, but last year. I used to have a crush on Elvira. I was kind of scared of her, but I had a crush so, on her. So you're saying you were a young heterosexual male? <laughs> yeah. Well, last time I checked. Yeah, sh- show me a, a guy and, you know, a young man in America that didn't have a crush on, uh, what's her name, Catherine Peterson? That's, her, that, real that's name? her real name? I think so. The Mistress of the, the, mistress of the Dark. The Dark, yeah. Mistress um, of the Dark. You know, she used to do the USA Up All Night. Mm-hmm. Um Showing cheesy B movies, uh, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> terrible movie, by the way. If you haven't watched it I have, recently, I have not watched it. Now, I did watch some of those. I used to kind of like. You talk about craving movie genres. I like B movie sci-fi. Oh, I, I love B movies. I sci-fi. also like B movie martial arts movies. Yeah, I'm not there. Yeah, which not to transition <laughs> us, but you made a comment earlier. For those that don't know, in my office, um, I have a uh, Karate Kid press kit that's all signed by him that I'm all proud of. And so as we come in, I was bragging and showing it to Aaron, and then he just craps all over Karate Kid. <laughs> so tell I me, I didn't crap on it. I just told you, well, <laughs> I hate this movie. So why do you not like Karate Kid? I just, I've it's never resonated with me. It's never been. It lacks relevance to me. Hmm. Right. I've never been that wimpy kid that gets his butt kicked that gets picked up by you know uh, Japanese or Korean Asian whatever the guy is he, he was I think I in real what, life he's Hawaiian he but I think he was supposed yeah, to exactly. be like but Japanese it, that's, that's the thing he's yeah. this Hawaiian guy I know he's Hawaiian I have, I don't know what he's supposed to be portraying I got you right but this guy knows you know Kung Fu or whatever what kind of it was Okinawan Gojuru Karate Do and there you go but uh, and he gets taught how to wax on and wax off, and then goes out there and does illegal moves and gets declared the champion. And you know, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't it yeah. wasn't a legal kick. N- none of that has happened to me in my life. So there's there's a complete amount of uh, lack of relevance to anything that I've gone through. But um, other than that, um, what is the guy's name? The young kid, Ralph Macchio. Ralph Macchio. Ah, oh, the dude is so annoying. I've seen him since he's been an adult in other things, and he's still the same guy, and he's still annoying. Yeah, yeah. I much rather prefer the other guy, the Johnny, Johnny, Johnny Lawrence. Yeah, yeah. Um, William Zabka. And now that Cobra Kai has come out, I enjoy him even more. I watched, mm. you know, like five or six of the episodes of Cobra Kai. Once again, martial arts not my thing. I'm a fat guy that likes Dave's doubles. So I mean, martial arts. Well, so on a side note, I'm not. I don't. I, I think you're. I'm not going to comment on whether you're an attractive man or not. I am. But what I will comment on <laughs> is so my head instructor. Uh, he's been with me for 20 years at my Covington location. Right, is a legit world champion. He won world champion two years ago. I is think it Frank Dukes. No, no. Actually, I know him though. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, and that's all. That's not real, by the way. I'll, I'll tell you about all that later. No, it's real. I watched the movie. There's a documentary yeah, yeah. on it. I know. Okay. Well, there anyway, two of them. So. What I was going to say is, if you look at John, I'm talking about John Adams, so if he, he ever sees it, I probably don't talk about him enough. He, he's a good dude, but when you look at him, you would never think he was a world champion martial artist. It's played to his advantage, because he's short and very stocky, and he'll go in these divisions, and this is full contact sparring, right, that he won world champion in. And I'm going to tell you, man, he knocks these with a spin. He's got a spin heel kick. That's an illegal move. He's also got a really ugly round kick that I used to make fun of him. Not make fun of him. I kind of picked on him about it. It's like you got to fix the technique. But he was killing people with it. So finally, I was like, keep doing that funky round kick. You were telling a world champion he's got to fix his. Well, technique. but I'm his instructor, and I've also won quite a bit of things. This is why they Are train you a world with, champion. With, I'm a world champion in some stuff. Yes, I am. I'm a world champion. But anyway, what I was going to say is with uh, John. Uh, you look at him and you like, uh, he, does he work out even, honestly? But he enjoys the eating. He likes to eat. But he's still out there killing folks. So my point is the body type isn't quite as relevant as people think. I've also seen it because I, I competed professionally in MMA, right, and trained people in MMA, kickboxing, whole deal, did all that stuff. And you can't really judge folks by the way they look. There's some fighters, they just don't shed body fat the same or they may eat, but they may have great cardio, great technique. So – just don't think that because you enjoy Dave's doubles that you can't be a champion martial artist just like Ralph oh, Macchio. No, no, no. I'm a great fighter. Okay. No, really, I'm a great fighter. I'm just not a martial artist. Okay. I enjoy Dave's doubles. Okay. I 
I had a lot of fights getting as I was getting to this point in my life. I got you. Um, and it's pretty much every day um, I would get into a fight. I was growing up in areas that were not nice. And um, during the during the summer when I tan up, um, I used to look Latino. And during the, the winter when I, my tan went away, I would look white. And um, in the area I was in, uh, part of Ocala, Florida, and then in, in Cleveland, Cincinnati, um, I didn't really fit in very well in the areas that I was in. Um, I was definitely the minority. And um, I got picked on a lot and got into a lot of fights at random times. Um, and so I really quickly learned how to fight. So you had an Asian man come and teach you karate? Uh, no, I had um, the television. Uh, Nell Carter raised me and, um, and Brady Bunch. I'm definitely a product of sitcom TV. Uh-huh. Um, and learn my morals and all that other stuff from it. But um, no, fighting, uh, just what works best. Uh-huh. And I fight dirty. Yeah, well, I mean, I will now. <laughs> but I was the kid in the Karate Kid. <clears throat> I was a wimpy little kid. And see, that's yeah. why it And so I got picked you. on at school, and my parents literally put me in karate. And this was all around when Karate Kid came out. So I directly identified with the Karate Kid thing. And I see now how people, we were just talking about the whole um, Reddit thing or whatever mm-hmm. that led to the series where they talk about how that Johnny was actually the good guy. But, you know, as a kid, uh, I didn't. I kind of looked like him even. I even kind of looked like Ralph Macchio. It was a skin, skinny, dark-headed skinny, kid. dark-headed. Yeah, and so I just really identified with, with a Hawaiian uh, guy. Uh, yeah, well, I didn't have the Hawaiian guy, but uh, <laughs> but uh, I've, I've had some great instructors along the way. And, and honestly, for me, and you know, everybody's different. I think there's benefits to martial arts, and this is not a sales pitch. This is really how I feel. And, and my focus on why you should do martial arts has changed as I've gotten older. He says, when, as I pull up the hot tank yeah, martial yeah. arts. Logo. When I was a kid, I thought it was about fighting. It was really not fighting. What I have used to this day more than anything is the discipline and self-control that it really did teach me. That's You talk about you got your morals from TV. I got mine from my martial arts instructor and Superman comic books. Like, honestly, it's where it came from, mostly. I mean, I went to church, but it was church. I wasn't even thinking about that. I was thinking about I want to be like... I liked Superman. The reason I like Superman is because Clark Kent is a nerd, and then he's got this inherent power in him. And so even though I'm this big guy now, I was a nerd. This is a nerdy kid that got picked on and still am, you know? So th- those are kind of the things that resonate with me. What I was going to say, though, is, is in martial arts now, as a 44-year-old, I don't care about if I can beat people up. Like, it's, I'm a lawyer. I'm not going to do that anyway. And I'm, I'll, I'll pay somebody else you to will, beat you. You will. You'll just do it differently. Yes. Yeah, that, that you're right. But what I, uh, what I do want to do is be able to stand up without my knee hurting, you know, or be able to move and have some mobility. And so it helps with balance and flexibility and stuff as you get older. Now, I do still feel confident where I could handle myself if needed, but as I get older, I see different benefits from just doing. And you could get it from other stuff, but I get it from martial arts. So. Do you want me to break your heart? Oh, no, go ahead. Superman is my least favorite superhero. I think. I think I've talked to you about this, this I was going to say either you've talked to me about it. or You did well, talk know, to me about it. First time I come in the store with yeah. old budget Batman, yeah. we talked about that. Yeah. I know you had a similar conversation with Jeffrey, Jeffrey Nodelman. Jeffrey also which, feels like. Which I also uh, agree with. I won't say Superman's yeah, well. my least favorite, but I will say I understand from a story writing standpoint where it would be difficult to write a story around a character who's essentially a god. I mean, you got a guy who can blow a sun out with his breath but how, that's how the you, key yeah but how do you create conflict within a story <laughs> that, that's the whole that powerful that's well, the whole thing though is that he doesn't kill everybody that's the thing is he's able to well, have that restraint he's at the most interesting when he does like the movie brightburn or uh, or red sun brightburn was good i have yeah. to admit have you Any, seen that yeah yeah it was good the the thing about superman is he can kill but he grieves every time that he does and yeah, it's it's a pansy, very pansy pansy version. Absolutely, of Superman. absolutely, it is a very pansy version yeah. of Superman. But it shows the humanity of Superman. Still, you know, he is, you know, for all intents, a god on Earth. Yes, it's not a technological thing. It is just he has so much power that, you know, we don't stand a chance. There is nothing here that can oppose him. And that was kind of one of the interesting things about the television show Smallville. Um, pretty much the only Superman thing that I like other than um, I can't think of the storyline's name at the moment but the one where um, Superman basically takes over the earth and becomes its dictator was it Injustice Injustice thank yeah, you for the video games yes yeah. um, you know and and that's one of the reasons why the boys I understand what Garth Ennis was heading for um, on that because 
if superheroes really existed, I I kind of see the superheroes not being superheroish. I see them being more villainish. Yeah, you you hit a nail on the head there because I agree with you on that. The boys is one of the most underrated series, not just for superhero stuff, but just in general. The acting's great. It's, and it's, it's what it would really be. Yeah, like. and I yeah. agree. Like, literally that first scene, and I'm not going to run it for anybody, but where the A-Train guy, mm-hmm. and he was like, whoops. Yeah. That's probably pretty realistic. Yeah. How um, it would be. And there's actually a cartoon. I can't think of what it is. Diab- um, Diabolical? No. Uh, basically, uh, it's... It starts off with this young kid. He wants to be a superhero, and then he electrocutes everybody in a pool, and now he's a supervillain, and he goes to jail because he was trying to learn how to use his power mm-hmm. and happened to electrocute everybody in this like public pool. Mm-hmm. And um, it was it was a great take, and it really had me thinking. You know, if there really were superheroes, you know, where do you learn that you can stop a train, you know, or jump over a building, or shoot lasers out of your eyes, or any of these other things? Well, you you know, day to day, nobody's got a combat center in the bottom of their mansion like the you know, you know yeah, Xavier, Xavier Academy or something like that. But um, you know, so you're learning it out on the street and you're trying to wing it. And if you're the first one, it's really you know a crapshoot. And well, that's also why I enjoyed at least the first few seasons of Smallville. Mm-hmm. Is I thought they did a good job tackling the story of how he was, you know, because his his heat vision comes in when he's yeah. in sex ed class. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought that was interesting the way they tied all that in. Yeah, the teacher was beautiful though, so it made sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there was. A, oh, I was. So when that show came out, what did it come out in? Two thousand ninety ninety nine or two thousand? Late like, 90s. Yeah, late nineties. Yeah. So I was like eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Now I, I got married at eighteen and had a kid at eighteen. Wow. But uh, I jumped in feet first. Well, I mean, it, it it didn't happen in the order I just said. Oh, so okay. you know, I did what I had to do. But still uh, jumped in feet first. Exactly, I did. Well, I did what I thought was the what I should have done, and I don't regret it. It was a good thing. My kids Very are the manly best thing. thing to do. I told you by the way. Um, you talk about your naval service, which thank you for your service by the way. Thank I don't you know if I told support. you that before, but I'm super pro military. This was even before my son is in the navy, and he's in the middle of the Pacific Ocean right now on the Carl Vinson aircraft carrier. Um, so anyway, it's, it, it hits a different way when it's when you've got your kids, yeah. you know, uh, there. So how long were you? How long you were career, right? Yeah, twenty three years. Yeah, thirteen years of punching holes in the ocean in a submarine. Nice. Yeah. How was that? I bet that was scary at times. Punching holes in the ocean in a submarine. Being in a submarine under all the water. As I'm thinking back to these billionaires who just died, you know. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. his submarine was probably a lot yeah. better yeah. than yeah. theirs. <laughs> yeah. You didn't have an Xbox controller to control it? It's funny. So <laughs> when they were developing uh, one of the classes of submarine, there was talk of using a very similar uh, device. Not necessarily an Xbox yeah, or PlayStation yeah. controller, but something similar to that because of the gaming community. Um, younger kids relate and can use those controllers to, well, you know, yeah. very minute uh, maneuvers and stuff on it. Um, some of them are amazing with them. But um, we moved away from that in, onto a um, stick-like aircraft. But, uh, yes, our submarines are tested vigorously, and we actually have a thing called sub-safe. Um, so we lost the uh, the Thresher and the Scorpion, um, two submarines, um, late 50s, early 60s. And that led to the development of the subsafe system where everything that touches seawater has a backup valve. Mm. And everything inside of the, the ship has a backup. So there's two oxygen, there's two uh, scrubbers, and there's everything but the diesel in the reactor. Um, but, and there's multiple bunks, so that wouldn't be a backup. There is multiple bathrooms, too. That's also a plus. Yes. Yeah. Um, but Very not, important, by it, the way. It is. Yeah. Uh, we're not like the Russians. We don't have a swimming pool. But um, have you ever been in a... Uh, airplane at night with all the windows closed yes okay that's what it's like being on a submarine except for it doesn't move quite as much mm-hmm. the you know you'd have to be in a really big plane for you to actually get the feeling and um you know we walk around and do you realize that you're under the ocean sure but you know there's you know i've i've been several hundred feet below a, a hurricane before and not felt anything mm-hmm. you know um I think for people that have issues with claustrophobia and stuff, there might be some issue getting into the boat. But once you're there, it's really not that mm-hmm. big of a deal because, um, you know, our best X is three, four times the size of this room that we're in. Mm-hmm. And that's on a fast boat. 
Yeah. Um, that's one of the smaller ones at 360 feet. 560 foot one, the mess decks is probably eight times the size of this room. Hmm. Um, people don't realize how big nuclear weapons are until they actually see them, mm -hmm. and that thing holds 24 of them. So Yeah, so I got, uh, I don't know if I told you, about three months ago, I did the, uh, it wasn't the Tiger Cruise, but it was a family day cruise mm -hmm. on the Carl Vincent. So I flew out to San Diego where he's at, got on it that morning, we went out. They did a big air show for us, brought us back. That's cool. It was cool. What I did not, I was, I mean, it's the military, so they don't care, but the lawyer in me was twitching the whole time because they were just letting folks do whatever they had us on the flight deck and these jets were landing getting caught we're literally as close as i am to that computer and you could feel the concussion off and then it would take off and you're literally and the the cable that catches it man all that thing had to do your parents are gone all the parents are on the flight yeah. deck they're gone they didn't even flinch at it we didn't sign a waiver of course, you know, what are you going to do? It's the military. Yeah, there. yeah. But, <laughs> but, I mean, oh, it was exciting. I had never experienced – I was a cop a long time, and so I've, I've dealt with weapons, but not that level. And, like, that – that I was so impressed because that, that ship is listing the whole time. And that when that jet comes in, it's like a like a raptor, mm -hmm. you know, just, just flails out. And then it's so fast hitting that thing. And then how fast they were able to turn it right around and shoot it off again. And then how short – the span is that that thing takes off from. Yeah. Like, that's super impressive. Um, well, they do a few things for that. They turn into the wind so that you're, the plane has mm -hmm. more lift, and then they speed up so that there's more. But, um, yeah, short takeoffs. If you ever watch a video or look up a video between the difference between an Air Force pilot landing mm -hmm. and a Navy pilot landing, yeah. Air Force, it's real smooth, comes in. Yeah. Navy pilot, boom, yeah, te yeah. testing that landing gear out the entire way. So I, I, I kind of pissed off my partner, Brian, because he was an Air Force pilot. He was an Air Force uh, JAG officer after that, uh, and, and he ended up leaving as a major. And uh, his wife, and he, a lot of people don't realize his wife, who's a, a psychiatrist, was also Air Force officer. But any, anyway... After I did that, I was bragging. I was running my mouth about how great these Navy pilots were because I was – and he was like, yeah, well, you know, you, you they train just to do that. But, you know, he's, he, he's wanting to be that Air Force is the best. But I don't know, man. That was impressive, those Navy guys. They're, Air Force and Navy pilots, they're both great. Yeah. They're just trained to different missions. Yeah. And, and that's a big part of it is, you know, we're all trained for the mission that we go on and – that's what, where we specialize. I'm, I specialize in submarines. Mm -hmm. um, do I know about carriers and all that kind of stuff? I absolutely know about submarine targets. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, the, the whole reason I joined the Navy was I had an uncle um, who was an air boss on the Saipan at the time that he took me to, for the tour. I was like 15 years old, had no affiliation with the military at all, never wanted to join it if, up until that point and everything. And uh, he took me down there and he showed me what he had going on. He was a helicopter pilot. He got saluted, looked really cool. His stateroom was like this big compared to, he showed me some of the, the bunks for the rest of the crew. And it's like a six foot slab with, yeah. with a mattress on it, you know? Yeah, that's, <laughs> what, like, that's what Alex has got. Yep. I was like, man, I want to do this. Uh, so I enlisted and didn't think about it. And yeah, uh, put that behind me. Uh, but uh, yeah, he ended up passing away um, from Alzheimer's um, I'm sorry, ALS, um, like 2004-ish, something like that. And uh, what was really cool was when I went back to him, you know, and I, I saw him right before he passed, um, I was like, hey, I just made E6. And he couldn't talk at that point, but he could move his thumb for the little voice thing. Mm -hmm. and, and he said, oh, congratulations, and that little <laughs> robot voice thing. And I was like, man, that was so cool. And he's like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> did he have to, like, ha, 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 ha? Well, it was, he could just move his thumb at that point. So it was, you know, he, he did something on it. And he was like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> I was like, that's great. Cool. Yeah. Well, uh, so, hey, I, I've almost had you here an hour. You can always tell if I like you because I'll keep talking. Um, and I have to go do trivia, which you're always welcome to come to, by the way. You know what you should do? Oh, goodness. No, this is not bad. This is a good promotional thing. By the way, if you're watching, y'all can do this. So every Tuesday at the cellar, we do trivia. And there's 80 people. Well, I mean, it's it's our third busiest night. People just love it, so it's great. But I try to get a sponsor every Tuesday. And all the sponsor, it doesn't cost money. All the sponsor has to do is provide four prizes that I give out during the event. One of them is like the main prize they win if it's overall, and then I have three that are questions that if they get are closest to, they get the prize. 
Um, but you, I'd love to have you sponsored you if you think about it. stuff I give away? Well, you probably do. And I that's, give away I, so much. I, I, I just gave away. Uh, I'm not saying I'm give sorry, me stuff. Donate. Yeah, I just yeah. donated. Uh, I saw that you donated to the school. Yeah, we just donated yeah. to the school. We did uh, about $1,500 worth of books and toys. It's, uh, I think there were like 55 books. And I actually got a, um, the last half of that order in today or uh, Monday, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's like 55 books and about you know another 40 or 50 different prizes. One of the teachers came in and told me that they have the... Uh, what do they call it? Behavioral rewards or something like that. I don't know what it's called. A conductor chest. When they're when they're good, they get prizes. Uh-huh. And she's like, the big prize last year was uh, was graph paper donated by Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> this is the big prize. You've been good all week. Here's, here's, here's graph a pack paper. of graph paper. And you know, I'm all about sparking creativity and imagination in kids. You know, that's one of the reasons we have the shop is we love kids. We yeah. love them to be happy and we love them to be creative. We don't think there's enough creativity in kids anymore because it all comes right out of their phones and if we can spark something in them younger then it'll thrive when they're older um and we won't run out of artists and you know intellectual thinkers but um when i when i talked to the wife about it she's like oh we can definitely do better than that and she's like who donated graph paper i was like walmart apparently they donated like two cases of it or something like that she's like oh that's ridiculous walmart so we we put our heads together and and went through the catalog uh, with diamond publishing and yeah, it's like $1,500 worth of stuff, and it came in, and, you know, we went up there to the librarian, and we're like, hey, we brought you some stuff. And she's like, what? And so we opened up the box. She's like, oh, these are so good. There's uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not, um, the hardcover mm-hmm. books from the 90s, you know, that you can't believe what's in there. Yeah. Um, like the woman with, like, 28-foot, um, not 28-inch, 28-foot, 28-inch fingernails, and you're like, well, that is disgusting. Yeah. But uh, people are doing it. And then um, – some Michael Jordan books, some um, Captain Crumbs, you know, just different stuff. And then we also did uh, the 10-inch Maleficent Pops, some of the fig pins uh, for the different, like, Frosted Flakes and Honey Smacks for, uh, Frog and a few other things. And then um, there's something, oh, Black Panther uh, diorama things. And um, we did the Women's Auxiliary last year for a silent auction and gave them um, – I think it was a signed Don Mattingly pick and Simpsons number one comic book and some other odds and ends, a Harry Potter sweatshirt and stuff. Um, but we're always trying to do those little type of things. I don't do a lot of like the team sports and that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, I, I don't think it's a good advertisement. There, There's not a, a large group of people out there. I want to donate to those things just for the kids so the parents don't have to go to boosters and all that other stuff because I, I know that's a pain. But as far as an advertisement thing, I don't think it's really worthwhile. It's kind of like the Chamber of Commerce. You probably belong to the Chamber of Commerce. I was the president. Yeah, that checks. I don't think it's worthwhile. What does the Chamber of Commerce offer people anymore? Yeah. It's a bygone era thing. I'm glad you asked. So yeah, me and Aaron are in a similar line of thought. I actually agree with you more yeah. than I agree with my own brothers. <laughs> so so this is all my opinion, okay? And and you're a successful business owner. I and, would and limit the verb. Well, successful. I mean, it's all relative. <laughs> so uh, part of my success, if if it exists in mul- multiple fronts, especially building like the kick and lawyer thing, is I, I'm I do I'm, I, that's actually my biggest strength. Honestly, is the marketing. Mm-hmm. And what I understand is there's two things I think that help. Number one, I'm very in tune with who my client is, like who I'm trying to get my product in front of. Mm-hmm. And then um, number two, I understand the difference between marketing and branding. And so if you're building a business, especially if you're wanting it to be, if you want to be recognized as the collectible go-to place, you got to have appropriate logo. you got to have something that stirs the emotions and they immediately recognizes that, yeah. And then you've got to have uh, the, the, the logo and the, uh, the emotional tie of what you do has to be put in front of people a lot. So the well, way brand messaging. Well, it's not even, I don't even know that it's brand messaging. It is brand messaging, but they've got, because here's what the difference is between branding and marketing, in my opinion. So marketing, you're putting something in front of somebody with a call to action. Mm-hmm. Buy this, come here, get a pull list, whatever. Branding is when they think about, when they eventually need something you have, you're the one they think about. They don't think about this guy or that guy or this girl or whatever. They think about you. So, so what I've done in multiple markets now, because I have businesses in Fayette County, Shelby County, uh, Tipton County, 
but we also have market reach. The law firm has market reach. I was in I was in Nashville this morning. I had a DUI in Nashville this morning that a guy had called for. I literally As the attorney literally told him not to hire me because it was going to be so far, and he had seen all the stuff, and I'm the DUI guy, and he ended up paying the go-away fee, so I was in Nashville. Anyway, my point is that the, the brand was successful, and part of that is because I do understand the value of things like Chamber of Commerce with community outreach and networking benefits with their businesses. I understand the benefit of sponsoring the local team where those people will see, oh, this guy supported my you know, local little Johnny's uh, baseball team and the donation stuff you do. So like all that over there, we give swag away all the time. Like I give it all away and it's because it, there is a return. Now sometimes like Josh and I <clears throat> disagreed the first year of the Covington Comic Con, right? The first year, all the proceeds from Tara and myself went to charity. I kept mine. Josh, proudly, Josh, proudly, I might add. Josh is like, he's, he's like, he'll, he'll support whatever, but you know, he's in it. He's in it for uh, the the, well, the profit. I, mean, I get it's, it. It's a lot of work. Well, you need but, to pay rent. So yeah. yeah, no, that's true. Well, I'm saying net profit. So mm-hmm. after we paid everything, we you know we we put the money in the charity, and I think there's return on all that. I really do think it all comes around. But but I still didn't answer the question. I'm sorry to you keep really talking, didn't know. <laughs> Aaron. My, your question was, uh, what, what would be the benefit of the Chamber of Commerce? So the Chamber of Commerce. This is where this is a personal pet peeve of mine because I was the president this last year. I just I, I just got a pet peeve. somebody else that stepped in, and <laughs> one of the things I spent a lot of time doing was explaining to business owners. Number one, a Chamber of Commerce is not your marketing division. It is not. Yes, that, but that's not their their position. They're, no, no, I what, understand what they're supposed to do is create an environment that draws more people and business to the community, which in turn helps benefit all of the, the people in the community, helps benefit the, the owners, helps be, uh, the business owners, helps benefit uh, the citizens, because you're going to get more um, business into the community. And to do that, like for example, Blue Oval City. Blue Oval City, part of the reason that came to fruition was because of the efforts of the local chamber of commerce is working together in conjunction with Jeff Huffman's office and the HTL uh, found all that all those folks that came together to create the system where as an example when those CEOs I know all this because I was involved in it these CEOs as the president well, well not just as the president but as a business owner that wanted to draw more people here to be my customers so the Blue Oval City thing's been going for like 15 years. Oh, yeah. And so the way that they managed to build that was when these people would fly in, and you didn't even know who they were, they would literally fly into one of these local airports and just get off and be like, you know, they're going to meet with the mayor, they're going to meet with whoever, and you didn't know what company they were with, right? Mm-hmm. But then what they what, what you what people don't realize that's important is you got to have representatives from the community, usually the Chamber of Commerce, to take the wife to see the school that's in this area, to take them and see the square they can shop at, all these different little things that are nuanced and will track these people and be like, oh, that's not an armpit of Tennessee. It's an area that I could live in. Because if they invest this money, these corporate people have to come live here. My point is, and I'm not going to spend an hour on it, but there's a multifaceted part here that I think a lot, a lot wheels that don't turn unless you have people in positions like for your Chamber of Commerce. I get business off the networking events from the Chamber of Commerce. So so last thing I would say, and this is I'm not pointing fingers at you on this, okay, for sure, because you were doing a great job at the Comic-Con, but at the Comic-Con as an example, there were two vendors that somewhat complained that people didn't come up to them, okay? I went by these vendors, right? And here's what they do. <laughs> they're sitting there. I'm even standing there, and they didn't even look over at me. They're, they're, they weren't putting themselves out there at all. The Chamber of Commerce offers, they have uh, training events. They had a marketing thing last week uh, that's free that you can do as a member of the Chamber. They have newsletters and things that can go out, but they also have Third Thursdays every month and these coffees every month, coffee things, where you get to network with people. And I get business off of it. So obviously I'm biased because I was You are so biased on this. You just spent (laughs) Six minutes telling me about the benefits of the Chamber of Commerce. <laughs> well, I'm biased. Here, here's the benefit of the Chamber of Commerce right okay, now. Okay. At, at, in this current day and age, uh-huh. it, you know, we're not in that bygone era anymore mm-hmm. where you need that to network and stuff. It is not a marketing campaign for you. Mm-hmm. That's not the intent of the Chamber of Commerce. The Chamber of Commerce is the intent for the Chamber of Commerce is to um, basically re- represent the businesses in the area and f- with the local governments. Mm-hmm. And 
can they still do that? Absolutely. But in this day and age, we do a lot of stuff via Twitter and Facebook and other social media distractors. And we can talk directly to our aldermen and our mayor, you know, in this case, or our senators, et cetera, to get these things accomplished. You know, is it better to have a united front? Absolutely. However, I don't need the Chamber of Commerce to network with other business, right? Mm. So uh, I'll give you, for instance, I give my packing peanuts and different packaging supplies to Pack and More behind me. The owner's name is Dave. Great shop. If He's you the sponsor tonight. Stuff. He's the sponsor tonight of the trivia. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Well, Pack and More, if you need uh, any packaging needs, copy, scanning, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. Pack and More out in Atoka next to, what is that even? Next to, next to Taco Bell. Um, but I give him my packaging peanuts. I also give packaging peanuts to Eye Candy. It's a dried uh, candy place. Um, Sticks and Stones, the cigar and hookah lounge behind us. That's not really my scene, but the uh, the manager came and he's like, how can we link these things together? And I was like, mm, we can't really. I'm super family friendly and I don't want my families hanging out in the cigar lounge. But he's like, yeah, but there's got to be a thing. And I sat and thought about it for a while. And, you know, I set up tabletop gaming over there on Wednesday nights, which has now moved to the cellar, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just things like that where I just talk to the owners of other stores. I rep uh, Tipton Repair out there on the corner by me all the time because for my first four months, Tipton Repair, the guys that worked there were my only customers. Mm -hmm. Great place. Um, they repair your, your phone screens, tablets, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then, of course, Toka Fitness. Uh, you know, he's my landlord, but he's really helped me out over the last year and a half. And, um, you know, so during Comic-Con, I had a baggie with um, some Toka Fitness flyers and Tipton Repair flyers and a Lutz Collectibles flyer. And everybody that walked past got one, which brings to the, the point you were making about just sitting there like a stump at a Comic-Con. Mm -hmm. you, if you are not excited about your product, nobody else is going to be excited about your product. And I had that talk with... Uh, Ryan Matthews, right? That was the, the guy. Author. The, the, the author. The author. Right from yeah, the, the author yeah. right across. Here. Super nice guy. Book's probably great. My wife's reading it right now, and I think my daughter bought a copy of the first one, too. I bought all three of them, and I think she bought an extra one just for herself so she could read them. But um, he, like Saturday, is just sitting there. Mm -hmm. And I was like, dude, nobody's going to be excited about your books. You're an author at a Comic-Con, all right? You have to grab people and say, hey, have you heard about this bugs that have taken taken over the uh, the surface of Earth and driven everybody below ground? You know, I spent like half an hour with him. We sold like six books, and I was like, "You got this?" And he's like, "Yeah." So he started selling books. Mm -hmm. um, and you have to grab people at Comic Cons if you're going to be a vendor, or if you're just going to be a guest or something like that. You know, Jeff Nodelman, great guy, love him. Just kind of sat there and drew pictures, and mm -hmm. you know, yeah, he's there to do that, but there was a lot of entertainment value lost, you know, by him doing that. To be argued, though, he is the one guest that I think can do that and get away with it. Because, oh, absolutely. Because of his pedigree. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas there was others that do not have the same pedigree that needed to be greeting people. And, and absolutely. But <laughs> but when you're, when you're in a con event, if there's not excitement in the con event, it pretty much just kind of spreads from yeah. the epicenter of where the dullness is, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Santiago, uh, Cirillo... Um, great guy, super high energy. Every now and then, he'd be like "woo" or "hiya," you yeah. know. And everybody in the in the whole audience would just kind of be looking around, like, "What the heck just happened?" Um, you know. And we kind of just need that. There wasn't any music playing this year either. I was kind of a letdown. Yeah. So we, we we'll discuss that later. But yeah. the acoustics in that room are terrible. Oh, I know. You know, and, and I think I I think I told you it's very likely we're not going to be able to use that venue next year anyway. It looks like the city has not been pleased with it as an event center. It's too small. Anyway. And it may be something different. So we're already looking for an alternative. So, um, but. <sighs> School gym. So you did five minutes, by the way, on the chamber. But Yeah. <laughs> you're, you know, you are, you're doing everything right, right? Like all I'm the stuff trying. you mentioned is great. Supporting the other businesses is awesome. And there's some people, though, that will be the ones that sit there and, you know, may need a little bump. And then some people just need. You know, you meet mentors and stuff, too, through it. So, anyway, it, it may not be for every business, but I do think it still has a place. I've benefited from it personally, and uh, I know other business owners that have. President. I was the president. <laughs> I'm the, what do they call me now, the previous past president or something like that. That's uh, convoluted. And yeah. just so you know, I do support the students. Yeah. I just... I don't when they bring me like their boosters and that sort of stuff. Like I did one the other day. It was like an online. Well, thing you can't through it, Money Dolly. I think yeah, it was. And I was gonna I just, say I gave them like fifty bucks to a young lady that's trying to do band. You know, and I do it anonymous. It's, you can't say hey to everybody. And it, it, I tell you that here's the only thing that I do get a little of. I give a lot of money, uh, a lot to a lot of different 
stuff. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of stuff people don't even know about that I give money. We do a scholarship. We do all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. And like the other day, I got an. I need to shut up because we got to go to trivia. But <laughs> the other day, I got an, a, a, a Facebook message, uh, and I can't remember if it was the kicking lawyer one or what it was. And sometimes Josh gets them, but I happen to see this one, and it was from a student who just graduated. I want to say Munford High, and they mentioned that they saw. I don't. I don't remember what it was that, that she had seen that I did. Saw that I sponsored da 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 or whatever, and she was like. And, you know, I just really think with all the money, basically, that you're throwing around, that you should do a scholarship. Well, I do do a scholarship. But she jumped to the conclusion that she, there was no due diligence here. It was just, oh, you're just this guy that's giving money to this and it's not doing uh, other things. So, yeah, I, it, got, I got some backlash from the Atoka Elementary School because I didn't donate to other oh, elementary yeah. schools. Well. See, that's the thing, man. You can't make everybody happy. And so I don't focus on those negative things. And I know you don't either. You just got to do what you can do, and it, you know. Just, just always tell them that I was the one that suggested y'all don't donate to whatever because I don't mind being the bad guy. Yeah. I don't care. I'll be like, I told well, them not to donate to your charity. Yeah. <laughs> well, Aaron, I enjoyed talking with you. Uh, we got to get to trivia, and why don't you tell everybody one more time how to get a hold of you and Lutz Collectibles? Yeah, absolutely. We're in Atoka, one hundred one Wesley Reed Drive, um, right next to Atoka Fitness and Boatwright Pharmacy, across from the Stemsey Building. Uh, open from noon to 8 p.m. Monday through Saturday or always open online at lootscollectibles.com. Thank you. Well, thanks for uh, being our guest and thank you guys for watching us. I noticed we had a lot of you on here today. You must be comic book nerds like me. That's great. As always, you can like, follow, subscribe to the content. We're on all social media platforms, podcast platforms, YouTube, you name it, as well as TikTok. We got a pretty good following there. You can go over there for, it's not legal advice because, uh, you know, you can give me any money, but you can go listen to me talk. Uh, and then N.A. The Band has the album Inside My Head. It's available now for free. Please download it for those guys. It, it's, it's, again, 100% free, and it really helps them. You can go like it, share it, and that gives them those guys a lot of help. Uh, Michelle Allen is your go-to in the area if you're buying, selling, renting, leasing real estate. She'd be glad to help you. She's also a member of the Chamber of Commerce, and <laughs> I see her all the time at the meetings, and uh, she'd be glad to help you out. And then, of course, High Octane Martial Arts, which is also a member of the Chamber of Commerce. You visit masonsmartialarts.com. We have a new location in Millington, and I'm joining that Chamber of Commerce, too. So just go to masonsmartialarts.com. And then the Cellar Restaurant Prohibition Bar, also a member of the Chamber of Commerce. This <laughs> is located here in Covington, and we have a new one opening in Somerville. I'll be in trivia here in like 20 minutes. So. We'll see you guys at the cellar. And not a member, not of, the a member of the Chamber of Commerce. Josh's Masonite Digital Marketing. He can do commercials for you, whatever. Uh, but you won't find him at the Chamber of Commerce. Anyway, you hope you... find him a trivia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hope you guys have a good week. Keep kicking. Thanks for watching, guys. Just remember that this is not legal advice or investment advice or business advice. This is for fun and entertainment purposes only.